Blog Talk Radio. Quiet, Welcome to Rex Sykes Movie Beat Conversations with Filmmakers, where we discuss everything film and television. Here on Movie Beat, you'll learn what to do and what not to do when it comes to making movies and TV, and we will talk to everyone behind the scenes and in front of the camera, and I'll provide you with the guests and the information you're going to want to have, whether you're a filmmaker or a fan. So let's move behind the scenes here at Movie Beat. Welcome to 2014. I believe this is the very first show, so Happy New Year, even though we're late in February. My guest today is Peter D. Marshall, director, first AD, uh, lecturer, educator, seminar leader, author. Uh, He's got fabulous products on uh, first AD scheduling and uh, breakdown of screenplays for pre-production and the director's uh, uh, series. Uh, along with this director series that I'm doing with him. So uh, be sure to check out all of his information at actioncutprint.com. That's actioncutprint.com. I'm going to bring Peter on in just a moment, but first let me ask you to share right now with friends and colleagues uh, the show. We're live. The chat room is open. If you're listening live, you can join us there. If not, uh, we have over 400 hours of recorded shows archived, available for you at rexsykes.com. My name I'm your host. It's Rex Sykes, R-E-X-S-I-K-E-S dot com at the interviews blog, Rex Sykes Movie Beat. Go back there and check these shows out. Don't miss a single episode from the very first one until today and into the future. It is just chock full of stellar information, must-have critical kind of information for filmmakers like yourself that you can use to learn and benefit and grow from and then share it. Share it, give it away. We're giving it away, so please, you do too. Give it away, call someone, email them, Facebook it, tweet it, but spread the word about Rex Sykes Movie Beat because these conversations with filmmakers are really, really for you. And my guests are so generous to give you so much information uh, freely. All right, so let me tell you a little bit about my guest today. Uh, He's been with us many, many times before, and so it's not the uh, the first time, but Peter has been in the business for over 35 years. He's worked as a PA, a deli grip, an electrician, assistant cam- cameraman, uh, commercial production manager, first assistant director, TV uh, series creative consultant, TV producer, and director. And he's worked with the likes of Zack Snyder, John Woo, Ed Wick, Philip Noyce, John Badham, Roger Adam, Ann Wheeler, Bobby Roth, Kim Manners, John Travolta, Spacey, Kevin Spacey, Morgan Freeman, Michelle Pfeiffer, John Travolta, Mel Gibson, Kathy Bates, Adam Sandler, and Peter O'Toole, and many, many more. So, uh, and like I said, Action Cut Print, he also had that's actioncutprint.com. He also has the director's chair and film directing tips, easing, and blogs. So uh, be sure to uh, visit uh, Peter and check out all that he has. I am bringing Peter on today, right now. How are you, sir? I am fine, Rex. It has been a long time since we've chatted. <laughs> it has. You know, I, I looked at it earlier to see when that was, and I my guess is it was last summer. might have yeah. been last fall. Um, 
you've been very busy. You've been doing seminars and workshops. I've been uh, spending a lot of time in Los Angeles and on different film projects. So I have, you know, kind of been on hiatus, but it was a much longer hiatus than I anticipated. My last show uh, with you, we talked about casting and callbacks and all sorts of great stuff, and I want to get into it. But my, I think the very last show I did before um, the year end was with Billy Ray, uh, writer, director, Captain Phillips, uh, mm-hmm. uh, Shattered Glass and stuff. And um, uh, But yes, Peter, geez, uh, that was episode 26. We're now in episode 27. And um, I encourage everyone to go back and listen through all of the episodes. Let me see. Some of the stuff we talked about the last time we were together, I'm sorry I'm running on here, but um, we talked about the good performance traits directors look for in actors. Yeah. And some of the qualities and, and what uh, to look for as in, in, in terms of a good performance and whether you as a director believe them and if they can incorporate changes. Um, and how the casting process worked. And uh, from the, from from going in the first time to your first callback and second callbacks and 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 what you might look for as a director mm-hmm. when you view the auditions and go through that and and we're coming up now on casting breakdowns and, and good character descriptions. Any any comments or any further points? Well, you it's make? interesting we talk about auditions. I mean, that's sort of the key factor for actors and directors and. Um, the last few months, I've been doing a lot of uh, two-day workshops, and I'm off to Toronto in another two weeks to do another director-actor workshop. And I just finished a director-actor workshop in Vancouver last weekend. And of course, part of the the biggest process is you know is the audition, which I call the bottleneck of the film industry, which is um, you know everybody trying to figure out who's going to be cast, and it's just as hard for actors as it is for directors because you know who you know to make break our careers, but. Going over the whole casting process was just interesting because I always have about four actors with me uh, that take the course because I use them for the workshop and for the scenes we're doing, but also just to be part of the whole process. And it's just interesting to have actors come up to me after and say that, you know, what I talk about is sort of what I feel is is the best casting process, whatever that means, I guess, in a sense. But, you know, just... Um, you know, for actors to come in, come in the door, and you know, to be to be in a safe environment. I mean, you know, casting is is basically looking for a job like anybody else, and you're nervous outside. And and from a director's point of view, we are we're always after, you know, trying to get the best performance out of someone, but we don't even know who they are. We're not, and to see how uh, they can perform, it's always to our benefit to make sure they're in a safe environment and when they come in and also, you know, let them do their, their thing first and then make an adjustment. And a lot of actors tell me that they go into the auditions and I, I suppose you could clarify this for me as well, but, and then they go in and they do their thing and everybody says, thank you very much. And they walk out the door and, and they never get a chance to do an adjustment, which to me is just a shame because from a director producer standpoint, how are, how are we really supposed to see the actors range um, you know, can they take direction if they just walk in and do one thing and go out the door? It's it's a huge process, and and uh, so that's what we talked about in that last episode is really having the actors come in and creating a safe place for them, even in the five ten minutes that you're doing it. It's it's not a big deal, and have them do their first uh, read first, whatever they prepare, and then you as a director give them adjustment, change the objective, change it something so that it's a little opposite what they've done. And if they do the same thing, uh, well, then you can sort of tell right away that maybe they can't take direction or or maybe you're a bad director. Maybe your direction was bad, too. There's always that. But I think the key thing for auditions um, is 
unless you're shooting your movie in the afternoon, you're really not putting them in the movie from the audition. I believe you've got to get, you have to get to the callbacks. And the callbacks are where you can have one or two callbacks where you sort of shortlist everybody, but you, you pair them up and you go for the chemistry, and then they're reading together as actors and not to a reader. And that's really the true test, I believe, where you really can find out the gems of, of, uh, of the acting pool. Um, I think the unfortunate part of casting um, is that there's so many actors that don't get recognized, that don't get a role, because for whatever reason in the, in the audition, they either are nervous or they don't get a chance to do um, you know, an adjustment, or they just walk in and, and, and you know, someone says, well, they've got black hair and we're looking for someone with blonde hair, and they don't get the role because of that. I mean, I've seen it literally happen. So I think the casting session is something that is so, so important. And the reason I call it a bottleneck um, is that we have to go through this process to get out the other side, and it's, it's a struggle. And it's a struggle for actors because that's what you do for a living. Uh, um, and, uh, and, and probably the biggest answer that you get for your entire life as an actor is the word no. No, you didn't get it. And uh, I just feel with all the work I'm doing in workshops and working with actors, um, I've really seen that there are just, just there's pretty simple ways of understanding how to get good performances out of actors, and it starts in the audition. So, yeah, not to ramble on on that, but it just, it just, I, I just finished three days ago a workshop, and, and we were talking about that, and we're showing a process of audition, so it's fresh in my mind. Well, before we go much further, let me uh, invite you to share the information about your upcoming, upcoming uh, director's workshop so that people can uh, find the link and go there. And perhaps attend. Yeah, it's in Toronto for Rain Dance, and it's mm -hmm. um, March 8th and 9th in Toronto. Um, and uh, I, I go there three, four times a year. As a matter of fact, you came to one of my workshops, Rex. I loved it, and the, I would be the back first in time a heartbeat. <laughs> yeah, no, I would. I would be back in a heartbeat. I wish I could attend all of your seminars. They are absolutely. You are absolutely stellar, and the and the climate, and the experience, and the people that you attract. Uh, make for just a fabulous time. It was good being at Rain Dance too. I was there. I loved the people up there. I mean, it was just a, an all-around remarkable experience. I would be back in a heartbeat anytime yeah. I can or could. Um, so that's cool. Now you also have a webinar or something coming up. Is that true, or is that something? Am yeah. I... Well, the webinar is is uh, is it's just a free webinar for an hour on um, on March first uh, through Rain Dance again. Just to a little sneak peek of the um, the directing actor workshop in Toronto. Uh, oh, cool. um, the best links to go is to Rain Dance uh, in Toronto, um, and uh, and then you can find all the information out there. So if you have that, that would be awesome to give everybody. Cool. Now we're going to be talking about you know um, uh, character descriptions and casting breakdown and, and and creating good ones and things today. I, I wanted to mention back you know regarding the acting and the casting. I think that you know what you're providing, what we've been providing in the director series, and talking about these things and what you do in the director's workshops, um, and and making this information available to uh, all sorts of directors out there, from novices to experienced, um, is is very important because especially today with the fact that anyone can make a film, 
it's it's not only hard to get your film made, it's hard to get your film marketed or into festivals or into festivals that count or to get a screen or a DVD release or to get it to go to any form of audience. And, and some of the things you need to do in order to be able to do that is have a great story and great performances. And so casting... You know, really, and, and having great actors becomes a, a very critical component. You can be a small little filmmaker in the middle of nowhere, but if you create riveting, stellar performances, I think you go further faster, um, you know, than anything else. Now, granted, there are other things included, you know, are, are there names or not names, what are people looking for and everything else, but, but we all want to see great acting. You know, we, we don't want to look at people and go, oh, they suck, and we don't want to be in a story that we don't care about. So um, the information that, that you've been sharing, you know, for uh, casting the very finest and being a director and what to look for and how to look for it and, 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 and the different steps of the process, um, I think is, is, is very important. Also, I have never in my entire life, I never ever considered myself a very good auditioner, and I hated it, and, I, and it was nerve-wracking, and it was like, why do I have to go through this, and why don't they just give me the job, and then they could see what I could do, and, and you know, all this kind of stuff. And now, in, in later in my years, I sudden, suddenly have realized in, in re, more recent years that, you know, my job really is as an auditioner, and to hone those skills and get better as an auditioner, because that is... The calling card. I mean, that's the only way <laughs> that you ultimately yes. get booked. You know, so if if you don't like auditioning and you want to be an actor, you got to start figuring out how to like it and how to be the very best at it, and what to do to control a room and to make you know make a good impression and to have the chemistry. And and even then, you're going to hear no more than ever or more than anything else. So yeah, well, it is, and it is such a fact too, because that's you know, unless you're a you know a major star that you don't need to audition anymore. Or you know you're you're the best friend with the director or whatever, or it's your movie and you're producing it and you're in it. <laughs> you know there's all those ways too. But you're right. It's like you're always going to audition, and it just keeps improving your skills as a director. You get an op- or as an actor, you get to work with different directors, and you just have to look at those five ten minutes in the room as uh, exercising your muscles. And yes, you're you're sort of applying for a job at the same time, but. You know, keep doing it. Hone your skills. Find out what what happened. What could you do to improve? Um, and no matter what it what you're doing, is um, you know just you know do the best you can. And I think you know the word of advice you know for actors for any audition is just make a choice. Uh, you have no control over the room. You have just no idea who's in there. You have no idea what they're looking for. So you have you have to make a choice. And uh, you don't know whether it's the choice they're looking for or not, but you come in, and if whatever choice you make is believable, then you have a shot at you know at somebody either bringing you in for a callback or hiring you or whatever. And don't forget on TV series, and this is important for actors to understand that when you're you go into for a role in a TV series, maybe you don't fit the role for that series they're looking for, but maybe three, four shows down the line maybe there's a role for you that for that so always keep up hope on tv series because you have your casting director in there and your producers and they're they're the showrunners and they know what's coming up and they'll see people that are going oh you know this is this is they won't they don't they don't work for this show but down the road we have a character we can create that and we we have some good ones to bring in so uh, the TV series are always great for that, you know. And if it's a TV movie or an independent movie or, uh, you know, whatever, a one of, then, you know, that's the only time you're going to get that one. But um, always keep your head up and always understand that there's people that if 
again, I'm just repeating myself, but if, if it's not for this role, maybe it's for another role. That's always the, the chance that you take. Well, and another important reason to not be a jerk <laughs> in mm-hmm. the room. Not to, yeah, not well, to un- understand the bur- yeah. What bridges are you going to burn? <laughs> exactly. Right, right. Because yeah. they may say no now, and and if you get pissed off or whatever, you know, yeah. aren't cool. Um, well, that that is awesome. I, you know, it's an interesting thing. I I look at actors' access and backstage and some of the casting things, and one of the disappointing things uh, about what goes on is there are so few uh, feature film union feature film or union episodic television, you never find hardly ever on any of these things. Lots of school films, lots, which is good. I mean, you know, some are SAG, you know, like uh, mm-hmm. AFI, um, you know, has a program, USC and everything, so they have them. But, but uh, you know, there are avenues out there for anyone to to uh, audition more, to submit themselves more. And and when you go to Actors Access and or you go to um, – backstage what what actors now get which they never used to get um you know usually it was the agents or managers who got it and you were sent some information you showed up you know at a in a casting office to be herald in some you know tv show mm-hmm. or movie and you know a little bit now you actually can see the character descriptions now you actually get a sense of the breakdown sometimes there's a little synoptic story and they go in the hero of the people and and you get to submit yourself and, uh, and this has been going on for some time, especially with the Internet, you know. Uh, yeah, yeah. So now we can see these things, which we never used to, in theory, be able to see before. So as a director, as we transition into, you know, character descriptions and bios, what, 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 what is the point? I mean, you know, why do you want to create a good character description and, and get these out there? And Well, I think from a director's point of view <clears throat> is that you want to control as much as possible the audition and uh, from and that starts with whatever information is sent out to the actors. And what happens a lot in a lot of the TV experience I've had as a director is that a lot, especially in the last later years. I mean, it didn't happen in the 80s or the 90s where you were literally in a room and they were right there with you. But because of the internet and and all of this, and and uh, is that all of a sudden everything? You're not even in half the time. You're not even in rooms anymore. You just get tapes submitted to you. Well, now it's on the computer, right? And you sit in a room with the producers around a computer watching someone else audition actors, and you're supposed to pick them. Uh, it's not the greatest um, uh, way to, to do it. Now, I know sometimes that has to happen. Like if I'm in a city and uh, and they're casting in other cities around, they're not going to fly out to another city and do that. So the the control issue, I guess, is very important for any director. And that starts with number one is what's the sides or the script scene that you want the actors to read, and you should be part of that. I mean, that's the casting directors do this, but it's your film, and you need to be able to uh, contribute to that. So uh, for the first auditions, it's basically, you know, you help decide or you decide or sign off on however, whatever the politics is. If it's a, if it's a TV show and producers are saying this is what we're going to send them, then that's, they're the boss. But if it's your own movie or... Uh, like I said, a TV movie or an independent movie or a short film, make sure that you're you're deciding finally on the first script or the first scene that you send out to the actors, and that's important. Um, and then the character breakdowns are important too because basically you have to think of them as marketing tools. And what happens nowadays is uh, there's so so many people 
are out doing films for basically next to no money, and, every, and you work for donuts. And uh, so you have to think of think of your marketing tool or think of your casting breakdown as an advertisement to to attract the right actors for the role. Um, and that's important. You want to attract the right actors. So how do you do that? And it's like you have to think of marketing. Think of the the headline and the message like that we get bombarded with every day. And I think you you sort of say, well, put yourself in 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 the actor's place and go, well, why would I as an actor want to audition for your film when there's obviously no money or the craft service is probably going to suck? So why do I want to do that? And I think that I think overall, and you can maybe you can speak to this as well, Rex, because you're an actor. Is you want to work on an interesting story, something that resonates with you if it's uh, if if you ever get a script like um, you want, and you want to play a character that has depth. I think that's really important, not these 2D cardboard cutouts. Um, and actors also want set experience, uh, just like you said. Going into the audition room is you just get experience auditioning. You're going to be experiencing that all your life. So actors want to say, okay, I'll take this role because it gets me on a set, even if it's a student film or a low-budget film or whatever it is. I'm still getting set experience. And I think, uh, and then out of all that, if if whatever if it works out to be, you know, done well and your role was well and it would cut well, then you want a clip for your demo reel. So there's three or four things that actors are looking for to to audition and you know and I didn't even mention money because obviously money is the big one but if you can't get money then you have to think about all this other process of how to attract people um attract actors to your to your auditions well absolutely and and there's the the caveat of of if somebody's a union actor what they can and can't do and and uh, but at the same time, anytime, even if you, I suppose, even if you couldn't take the job, you could audition for the job as long as you aren't wasting anyone's time, mm-hmm. um, you know, to gain a valuable audition experience. I had a friend, I think we've talked about this maybe multiple times during our series, but I had a friend who back uh, when we were young in our teens and early 20s said, you know, I'm just going to go out and I'm going to apply for all these jobs at fast food restaurants and, you know, cleaners and copy places and everything else but just to get experience applying for jobs. You know, the interview right. process. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I suck, I suck mm. at this. And he went out and did that. You know, I mean, he, he made it a concerted effort to, to go interview. And he knew he would turn the jobs down, so he didn't, you know, he wasn't nervous, and he got he got the practice because he, he wasn't afraid. And then, you know, I guess if something came up that would have been great, he probably would have taken it. But uh, mm-hmm. ultimately, he became a copywriter and a screenwriter and a, a filmmaker. But uh, but he got that experience through interviewing. Yeah, well, that that is so true. And and again, from an actor's point of view, the more you audition, the the, the more the, again, it's it's like the more you audition, the better you're getting at it. But that doesn't say you're going to get the role either because it's so individual on the other side but also that works for a director too to show up to a lot of auditions because every audition is different you're dealing with different producers you're dealing with a different script you're dealing with different environment budgets everything so there's no cut and dry you know um, copy and paste sort of thing of how to do that but there's certainly techniques of how to get in and we talked about a lot of that on your last episode but well, again me, from yeah. mm-hmm. go ahead go ahead please no, listening to you. <laughs> no, no, no. Finish your thought, and then I'll I'll chime in. Well, I just was saying that you then you you practice that as well, 
but you could, because you never know what's going to happen when any actor walks in the door, and uh, you can get blown away uh, just on the first read as well. So, um, and I and I and in coming back to sort of the casting breakdown, and it's as much as possible. You as a director, this is what I was going to say, is have as contr- as much control on that process as possible. This is really what I wanted to. Now I want to add something because you know you you mentioned you know why would an actor want to audition for a film if there's no money you know or, you know the craps. Um, the actor, I think, you know, I think well for directors, let me put it this way: I think directors. Uh, oftentimes, or filmmakers, I mean, I remember being in Hollywood doing a, a bit part in a movie, and they're going, okay, here's your, this is your chance to be a star. And, I, and it made me angry, quite honestly. I mean, I didn't get angry at them, but I was like, please, don't be so patronizing. This is mm-hmm. a role in a, in a feature film. Nobody's going to, you know, whether, whether it could have catapulted to stardom or not, you know what I mean? But it wasn't, the, it wasn't a, any kind of, like, breakout role. It wasn't a, it wasn't a critical part. Not, so... And, and I guess on the one hand, you know, they were they weren't trying to patronize; they were trying to be friendly. But what I guess what I'm trying to say is, filmmakers. I, what I've noticed a lot of times is filmmakers and directors and producers act as if they're doing you a favor if they're casting you. Mm-hmm. And I, I think that's a horrible mindset to have. I think uh, I, I understand it because there's lots of actors out there that you know are hungry, they're starving, and they want to work. But the actors also. You know, responsible for bringing something and contributing, and if the actor does their job well, and the director does their job well, I mean, everything works together in a collaborative sense. Then the whole project is elevated. So mm-hmm. the actor can't think either. You know, I'm the star, and you know, if, if it weren't for me. But the point is, if if I'm going to audition for them, there's no money, and there's no good food, and the hours are horrible, and I'm going to do that. I look at it as, you know, I am doing somewhat of a favor here. Mm-hmm. Uh, as much as you're doing a favor by putting me in the role, you're not giving me anything back. You know, I mean, you know, other than the chance to be in a film that may or may not ever be seen. So mm-hmm. there's got to be something that, I mean, there's got to be this kind of reciprocal mindset and offering of, you know, what I'm looking for the best. I want to treat you the best. I don't have cash. I got craft service. I'm going to get a credit. But but to really respect each other and respect each other in the process of. Uh, of making the film and 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 everything that goes on, I, I think. Well, you're so you're absolutely correct, and I think it's about everybody deserves respect, and that what's all this ego? But I'm the director, and you're the actor. I'm a producer. You're the actor. Whatever the deal is, and and I think that it's all teamwork. It's all about collaboration, and and to me, the film business is is what I call the weakest link in the chain business. So, I always say, if you're if yeah, your dolly yeah. grip is not a good dolly grip, then all those big elaborate camera shots that you had planned with all your amazing actors and your Academy Award winning script are just going to fall apart. <laughs> and uh, so it, it doesn't matter on that side. You have to work within right. it. So you want to build the best team you have within the budget and the time that you have, but there's still a lot can be done with virtually no money. We've seen that happen and also teamwork and people creating a family and, and just again, looking at, okay, well, why are somebody, why, why does anybody want to do the film that I'm doing when I, you know, I, you know, I can, I have no money. Uh, so again, it's you always put yourself in that place. And if you t- treat people with respect and listen to people and you're, and, and, and know how to like work with the crew and direct actors and how to get things out of them, uh, in a nice way, you're going to, you're going to go far and the actors will come back. 
Um, even in the workshops that I teach in Toronto and Vancouver, we don't pay the actors to come in. They come in for two days, and then they participate, and they get back, but they meet other people. They, they're, 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 they're networking, but they come back because, wow, we're exercising. It's a, it's a safe environment, and we're, we're learning things. And that's every time you do that, you just, you get, that's the process which should be happening. Uh, no, very interesting. I want to I want to comment back because in our last show we talked about you know audition and casting and, the, and all this stuff. And I had mentioned that I had a, a very incredible experience um, on a remote audition and uh, shared the, what the director said back and forth and how we went and everything else. And uh, I mentioned that it was one of the best auditions I've ever had in my entire life. I didn't get the role, <laughs> just mm-hmm. so everybody knows. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, I didn't get it. It was, it was, it, but it literally was an absolutely. I've gotten other things since, but uh, it, the one that I thought was, wow, this is pay dirt. This is, you know, I have hit it. This is, this is, uh, you know, incredible. Well, I, I didn't get the part. Now, oddly enough, I, I have since been sent the script to review and to read and to consult on, but but not to be an actor in. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so right. it, it's interesting because now I've even now I've even gotten the entire screenplay which I didn't have before and can right. see you know, the parts and, and stuff, and, and then even go, hmm, would I have been, you know, the person for either of these parts? Mm-hmm. Um, so um, I just wanted to mention that because we keep talking about um, casting and, and getting or not getting parts and, and um, you know, whether or not something in the future comes about, you know, who knows. But uh, anyway, that's my report. Mm-hmm. Let me do this, Peter, because we're at that halfway point already in our show. Let me uh, take a quick break. Uh, make some announcements, and then um, we'll come back and we'll talk more about the character bios and descriptions. And... You bet. All right, you're listening to Rex Sykes Movie Beat at rexsikes.com. Rex Sykes Movie Beat, also available at Blog Talk Radio and on iTunes as podcasts. Be sure to share them with your friends and colleagues. Anytime the show records live, we have the chat room open. Otherwise, obviously, you can't, but uh, please reach out. My next uh, guest coming up on March 6th, there may be more in between, but, but my next guest on March 6th is uh, Paul Kaplan-Bennett. He is a talent manager. He's worked in the industry for many years uh, as an actor, producer, director. He was uh, partly responsible for comic relief and, and things along those lines. So uh, you're going to want to listen to him and, uh, and what he says about managing talent and, and working uh, your career. Uh, you're listening to Peter Marshall. Director. His website is actioncutprint.com. He's got lots of uh, offerings, easing and, blo- and, a, and, a, and a blog. He's got the director's chair and film directing tips. He's got products. He's got workshops. You're going to want to go and check out actioncutprint.com. And we're talking uh, an episode 27 of the director series right now. Be sure to go back and listen to all 26 other episodes. You're going to be glad you did, as well as the other 400 or so hours of archive shows at Reg Sykes Movie Beat. All right, Peter. Hi. I was just going to say I have that uh, the rain dance intro, so they can check out the workshop and also the the webinar, which will be on uh, the first March first. It's raindance.org. So www.raindance.org, and that's where they can check out uh, all that information for the Toronto workshop and for the uh, online free webinar. Fantastic. All right. So when it comes, now that I can see, you know, character descriptions and stuff online uh, or or not, I mean, there's plenty that, that go out and break down to casting directors and agents that the actors still never get to see. Um, what does the director want to do in terms of creating the casting breakdown for 
uh, getting the right actor to audition uh, for your Well, film. again, I think what we just talked about is 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 why put yourself in, in the place of the actor and, and why do they want to, to do the role? Even if we're talking paid roles, there's always something that they want them, uh, something else, and we have to sell them. And I think when I use the word control as a director, that's exactly what you want to do for the, for the bios or the character descriptions. And, and I, I believe, and I've seen a lot of bios, and, and, and like you said, they're online now or other ones that have go, gone out. And a lot of them what are maybe a little more ineffective than others, and how do you, how do you determine which is an effective bio or not? And a lot of them basically just shows what I call the outside life of the character. And I'll give some examples here in a minute. But the trick, I believe, is to show some of the inner life of the character. And what this does, it adds depth. And you, you essentially add subtext into your character descriptions. And, and this can help you. There's no guarantee in any of this, of course. But this can help you attract maybe some more experienced actors for you. And it will also help them be better prepared. So a lot of times you'll just get general bios uh, 35-year-old white balding male, uh, you know, whatever it is, truck driver, uh, which gives just the outer life, and it doesn't really give them any sense of what the character is, because again, when on auditions, as you well know, you don't, you get, you get maybe a what a story, you know, two-line story synopsis of of what the film is about, and then what your character is. Hello, I'm back. Are you there, Peter? Yes, I just got back. Yeah, we both got booted. There was a, a long, I don't know when I got booted. Uh, if uh, someone in the chat room can let me know, that would be great. Um, suddenly all I heard was a beeping dial tone, and I was talking going, you know, we've lost Peter, and and um, and I guess I had been cut off as well. So it, uh, anyway, that's the funny thing about this uh, studio. One never knows. They were under some form of attack the other day. I couldn't even get into the studio, and they said, we're trying to resolve it. We've been, we've been attacked. So uh, so I don't know what uh, what's been going on, but uh, we're back now, and uh, I I don't know if that means we've just had you know five minutes of uh, buzzing or no noise or what. But we were talking about um, you know so what what should how should these descriptions be um, uh, uh, written? You know you say yeah. You should well, let's go back to I think... character. Go ahead. Yeah, I think I think well because we don't know when we got bumped off. So, and you know what, I was just going to say, Rex, you, you sort of said this to me a few times. We've done twenty. This is our twenty-seven show. Plus, I did a whole bunch of eighty shows. That's the first time this has happened. So that's a pretty good record. It's <laughs> a great you know, record. We've been going. We've been doing a hundred percent all the way through. So that's right. Uh, that was that's just right. our time. Well, I'll just I'll just repeat what I said then, because I don't know where we we went off. But I think basically, uh, you know, if you call them effective or ineffective, you know, character bios, I mean, it is a little bit of relative. But I think a lot of them just give the outside life of the character, and and I believe the trick is to show the inner life as well, which adds depth to the character. And by adding subtext um, to the character descriptions, you have an opportunity to draw in or pick up maybe more experienced actors um, and th- that can come into your audition. So that, you know, like you said, when people put them out on online or the Internet or whatever, you know, actors will look at character descriptions. They'll look at what the show's about in the character description and go, nah, I'm not interested in that, or who's the director, don't know who they are. But if they see an interesting character description, oh, this is interesting. It's got some depth. This guy can do a little bit of that. Maybe it can attract that that person to walk in. So that's really important um, 
why we try to really work on our character descriptions through text and subtext. And I'm going to go into that in a minute little in a little more detail. And I believe that, um, well, good character bios, I guess you can call them descriptions or bios, same thing really, is um, you want to explain the physical and, and background information about the character, which is important, but also establish some conflict so that uh, an actor can play with that. And so there should be, um, you know, there's a couple of things have to happen. So your descriptions need to be written to attract interest in actors. So that's one. Um, you should at least have one emotional conflict to add to the description and use subtext to create the conflict within the character. And again, like I said, in a minute, I'll, I'll give you some examples. Um, okay. And while there are certain, say, physical traits of a character that are necessary, it's important to understand that the outer traits, you know, height, weight, ethnicity, etc., are seldom um, integral to the actual character because they can have, you know, can be, like I said, a 35-year-old white balding male or, or whatever, and all these people walking, all of a sudden it turns into a, you know, a 45-year-old, you know, African-American woman because that was the best person chosen for the role. Uh, and so we always have to take these descriptions uh, a little bit with a grain of salt um, if it's generic. That's why things like doctors and lawyers can basically, unless it's a story point, it has to be male or female, etc., obviously. But they can be, uh, they can be switched around. And, and I know that I've been in a lot of auditions where you do something like a generic role, like the, the judge in a courtroom, and it says, you know, 55-year-old female or male, whatever, and, and the opposite sex is picked because it doesn't really matter. It's not a story point. So these are the things you want to look for. So I think that you know general descriptions that are not well written basically just talk more about the outer traits. Um, whereas um, you know, so I believe a good bio gives you a glimpse at the character's inner life. And of course, all this has to happen in two, three lines, and offers insight into the role so that maybe your you know more experienced actors can sort of. Uh, uh, say, hey, I'm interested at least coming in for the audition. You know, an example could be, I just have these written down. They're just some very, very simple examples. But, you know, a muscular, towering Russian bouncer with a shaved head, you know, 35 years old, whatever it is. I mean, that's an example of a character bio that can go out because that's what the writer wrote. A lot of times, you know, people are under pressure. They're, they're, there's a lot of speed that has to happen in these things. And someone in the office, in the casting director's office or whatever, will just take whatever... The, de the description the writer wrote even about the character, and then that's what goes out. So you have to recognize that those are just the, the outer character traits of the character. And, you, and in casting, it's important to remain open to um, actors that might not look like that part um, and that maybe can play against, a bit against type. And that's a really important part. And I think, you know, it's like people walk in uh, like the character bio, bio goes out and all of a sudden you have like, as an actor, you're sitting in the hallway and you look around, you look down at all the other 20 people and they all look like you. <laughs> it's like, oh, who's going to get the role here? You know, but it's like from a director's point of view and of course from a producer and a casting director's point of view as well. Someone walks in the room and they, they, they make a choice and maybe they don't look like whatever the description was, but is it a story point? Um, is it something that, wow, they just blew us away? 
maybe we can change the character. And, and I've been involved with that in casting. I've seen it as an as a instructor, uh, how to change these things around. As a producer, I've been in rooms where we can change things around and talk about it because ultimately you're going for the best performance. Um, and not so much the look of the character. That's that's sometimes controversial, but that's you know. But it's still the director has to work with the actor. They're the only ones that work with the actor. So you want to find out as quick as possible. Um, does the actor have range, and can they take direction? And that's all part of it. And it really starts a lot with you know the char- the character bios. People that will read them and then say, you know, I'm coming in for the audition. I mean, what do you yeah. look for? Rex, you know, well, let's I mean, make it practical when you look at all this stuff. What makes well, your decision? I, I, I was going to that, but I, I'll tell you, but I, I wanted to ask in the form of a question, actually. Uh, typically, I'm going to say this. If I go online and I look at Actors Access, the first thing I do is I look for that physical description that matches me that I can play. If they say, you know, I'm looking for a, 20 year, a 28-year-old young Asian athletic girl i go okay i'm not that so i'm not gonna i'm not gonna well but there's a reason i say that because when i've been casting whether as a producer or director uh, what's happened is we've gotten sometimes thousands of submissions from agents as well as you know independent actors who send things in and we say we were looking for you know an eight-year-old boy Mm -hmm. and they send a girl we say the boy is you know a caucasian boy because parents are caucasian or a black child because the parents are black, and and we get every race known, you know, to human, you know, and that kind of thing. And and at, at one hand, we're like, cool, these are alternate choices. At the other hand, it's like, why don't people just follow instructions? This is what we're looking for. This is what we need to cast. So I'm going to ask a question in that regard. Is is I, I always look once I get past the you know middle aged guy, you know, kind of heavy set or you know bald or whatever. Once I, you know that 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 I could play, because. Um, We've heard, and and you've mentioned this, but I mean, you've heard people go into a, a, they'll say we want a redhead and they can't, and a a blonde walks in and they can't somehow make that mental leap that, oh, we could dye her hair or put a wig on her. So if they say, you know, I had, I had, I had, for example, I I recently did a a commercial and I had grown my hair back and normally, you know, I I don't shave my head, but I I don't, I mean, I don't scrape it bald anymore, but I shave it very close. And I had grown my hair back, and I had grown my beard out for something else. And I said, "What do they? What did they look at?" They said, "Well, they looked at your headshot." And I said, "Okay, am I supposed to match my headshot?" And they said, "Yeah, you probably should match your headshot." So I shaved my head and I shaved my beard. I got everything. When I got to the set, they put a hat on me, and it didn't matter one way or the other. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so you know, who cares? But but so my. My question for you, as a director, when you're casting, would you be irritated if you said, I want a middle-aged, a strong, you know, a muscular, towering Russian bouncer with a shaved head, and I send you my photo, and I've got, say, hair and a beard, and I'm not muscular or towering? Um, As a director, is that a waste of time? And I know that there are casting directors who tell me, yes, don't do it as an actor. You should never do it. Just, you know, follow what they want. Uh, on the other hand, you look at it like, gee, you know, I could probably play that part given the rest of the description. I'm just not an exact physical match. And because of what you said, oftentimes you do see something that was cast for a particular type in a certain way, and then they go completely the opposite. So w- what would you recommend to actors, knowing that there's a million different right ways out there? You should, should, well, should, again, you've set me up on this one because there is no sorry. There's no correct answer because that depends exactly on – I mean, you're asking me, and I'll give you my answer, but 
in in that in that case it's like who are you as a director are you is it your show is it the producer's show the tv show who's the casting director what's the scene like what's the mood like all of these elements what's the politics behind all of that i would say generally speaking and i'm speaking on behalf of myself too that if if i have a certain look or in the script we have you know 20 30 casts we're looking for and and some of them are very very specific um and that uh, you know that because that's just the way it is you know they're very very specific uh and then other ones are more open ended like i said a doctor or a lawyer then i think with the ones that are very specific like maybe it is you know a you know a 13 year old redhead boy and a and or twins or something that's very specific right. i mean you can change the, the hair is not a problem and add freckles if you want in makeup because time is precious you know, those are the things that you sort of, someone walks in and it's totally 100% different. You just go, wow, this is a waste of time because your time is precious. But on the other t- on the other side, if someone happens to walk in, and but they're in the ballpark, I'm not talking like way out there, but right. in the ballpark, then it's like, well, hey, this is interesting. You know, maybe they're not right for this role because I've done that and I don't know, you've most likely done that on auditions, I mean, as a producer or director, that someone will walk in and you go, well, they're totally wrong for the, the, the like the role they're reading now. But we've got the best friend of this character, and you say, right. would you mind right. going out and reading these sides, right? And then they come back in, and boom, they got it. So yeah, right. I, I think that that's you have to be open for that as a director. And I think I, I call it take your blinders off. It's a process of discovery. Um, you know, you can you can hone the, the auditions to a certain point. And then when other people walk in that are different, don't discount them right away. They may be not right for the role that you're reading right now, but maybe there's another character that they're right for. And and I think that's important. That's very individual. So I don't mind it that much. Again, it's all relative to is it so different like it was a, It was like weird. <laughs> you know, sometimes you get weird ones. But so I think you answered it. Go ahead. No, I'm just saying that again. It's relative to the time you're doing it, and 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 be but be very open because you're going. Magic's going to happen. Um, I'll, let me just tell you, uh, just you know, quickly. I, I did a, um, a TV movie, uh, directed TV movie years ago, and uh, we were looking for basically a 13, 14 year old boy to play like a little Hutterite boy, little and. Uh, and we just couldn't find it. I was I was uh, in Vancouver, Toronto, Winnipeg, and Calgary trying to find this actor because we were shooting in Regina and 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 in Canada. And and finally, we're getting down. This is the lead in the show, number one on the call sheet. And we got, I got the rest of the cast, but we just couldn't find this one person. And so finally, we were phoning around, and the casting director was phoning all the agents again, and I mean all the casting directors in the cities. And this one in Calgary said, you know. We had this guy come in and read. He, he was just a friend. He's not an actor, but he was just reading uh, off camera for this for his his friend that was coming in to read it. It was his girlfriend. So, uh, and he looked pretty cool. Should I put him on tape? And I said, Yeah. Well, why not? We have four or five days to go before camera. We still don't have our lead. And uh, well, I guess you know the rest of the story. Um, holy smoke! So I flew to Calgary and we auditioned this kid, never acted before, and boom! Next thing you know, we fly out to Regina and we cast him in a role. That's what happens too. Um, there's all of that kind of stuff can happen. So casting has a lot of stories like that, 
and then you, as you well know, about the person that wasn't supposed to be there or someone that walked in the wrong door or whatever. You have to be open to all of this. That's, I guess that's the bottom line of the answer to that question. Um, yeah, well, I, I mean, I think that you did a, you know, a fabulous job answering it. And from the actor's standpoint, I, I want to point that out, too, in that, you know, as long as you're not wasting the people's time and if, if you, you know, um, you know, if it says six foot nine, I mean, they probably mean six foot nine. They don't mean five foot seven. So, I mean, right. I, I, but I think a lot of actors get the, you know, Warren Beatty, Dustin Hoffman graduate stuff, you know, in their head and think, well, I just, I just submit anyway. And, and you may be alienating, you know, the gatekeepers if nothing else. Yes, if, I, I, that's very important to, to, for the actors to know that you just can't flood yourself and try to get into every audition because even Meryl Streep doesn't fit every role of that age either. So, like, you know, I, I, every time we talk about casting in, in particular, I always, I'm always, I think of the movie Twins with Danny DeVito and Arnold Schwarzenegger. I don't think there was any casting. Those are the only two, two people who could play those roles, right? Right. So it's like one of those things. But, again, you use your best judgment, and, and you just never know. Uh, that's all I can say. You just, you just never know. So right. you just have to roll the dice sometimes and go for it. Now, the, the, the notion of what you call pertinent inner traits is, is fascinating because that uh, does allow for leeway. And I think as a writer, I mean, this is the same thing, too, when, when writing a script, you know, and, and you come across something that says Danny is five and, you know, four foot two and this. Um, that's how you see it, maybe how the director sees it, maybe how the cast will ultimately end up. But if you can write to their inner traits more than to their outer characteristics, um, you have a better mm-hmm. chance of casting a better actor. I, I would, I mean, you know, or, or I think making a better story, maybe. I, I, well, not I, that I think the it outer is. traits yeah. are important. Mm-hmm. Well, I think that's the key part of it, too. I mean, there are a lot of descriptions that, that, that do this, but <clears throat> a lot of them don't do that. And I think that, you, you know, because time is short, and you and again, don't forget, you want to attract actors that have more experience to come into the audition. This is another reason why to do this, uh-huh. because you're going to get the hundreds of hundreds of people that look like the 25-year-old white male. I mean, hello, that's, you know, and so, but what makes the difference here? And you need, obviously, um, you know, certain physical characteristics that are important for the role, like special skills. If they have to, like, if they have to ride a bike or they have to swim or they have to play hockey, whatever. Well, yeah, you have to mention those. That can eliminate a lot of people. Um, you know, if they're in, or or story points that are integral to the story. For example, they have to look alike, like brother and sister, etc. Right. So these things, these things are important. But if you uh, again, I think it's just being flexible and finding the inner traits that that will help you uh, out to gain something, um, to gain some more people coming in. So really, it's I think it's divided into basically two areas, really. If you look at text and subtext, what everybody understands. So the text obviously describes the outer life of the character, and that could be the well, what the age, uh, what they do for a living, general description like we talked about, that's important. You still need that. But then you can add some of the subtext, which gives a part of the inner life. In other words, what's really going on inside them or what conflicts. And I'll give a couple examples because examples are always good to use. And, I, again, these are just things I've, I've written down just 
to give you an example and of it, but this, you know, here's an example. So, uh, of sort of um, a character description that has two parts: text and subtext, or outer life and inner life. And uh, it goes reads like this: John is a 45-year-old dishwasher who limps from a car accident when he was seven. He's passionate about classical music, and he dreams of playing his violin in an orchestra. He lives at home with his mother and his stepfather, who abused him when he was a child. So, I mean, whether that's in the story or not, or you're putting stuff in to sort of give it a little more juice, I think that's okay as well. But what that does is if you read that as an actor, I think there's a, there's a hook there. It's like, okay, I'm playing a dishwasher. I've got to be roughly 45 years old. Um, then the rest is things that they can hang on to. He's got a limp. Uh, he loves music. Um, what happens when something in the script talks about the stepfather? What kind of... Um, subtext is that going to bring up to the actor because of the abuse or whatever it is right um mm-hmm. i think those are the kind of descriptions that you can an actor can hang their hang on their hat up on and say whoa this is interesting there's a lot going on in here and yet the same thing you're still talking about the guy's a dishwasher middle-aged dishwasher right who lives at home I mean, that could be what the general first one was. And I'll just give one more. Mary is a vivacious 25-year-old university student studying engineering. She grew up with three older brothers who always bullied her. She constantly pushes herself to be the best in a man's world while struggling to accept her emotional female side. So again, there's Mary is vivacious 25-year-old, you know, studying educa- you know, studying engineering. And then that's sort of the outer world to a certain extent. And then the rest is either implied or it's in the story or maybe something that you've added that's not in the story. But the whole concept, and this is where I'm, I say this, I believe it's okay to do this, is you can add these other things, whether they're true or not. Um, you know, like the stepfather abuse is not even in the script. It has nothing to do with it, for example. But what that is is you want to see these actors get you know make a choice and walk into the audition and do something with it and then you get to the callbacks and start working out from there so i just want to make sure that's i say that point and that's what i believe anyway so that you can do that so i think does that make sense those two are so i think are to me those are good character descriptions well i i really appreciate them from an acting standpoint because i'm sitting here going oh yeah i can see how that would you know or what i might do if i were that character or you know it, it does it it stimulates the imagination in ways that it, it, along a particular line too i mean in other words it's 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 from your guideline that my imagination is being and i i suspect you know every different actor would come up with different choices but but i'm not i'm not you know, writing, you know, random here, trying to come up with something. Uh, same with your description. I don't remember if you said it or not because of the technical difficulties that, that experienced you, but, you know, an imposing bouncer in Tenson without fear versus yeah. the muscular, towering Russian bouncer with a shaved head. That, yeah, that no, that's a very simple one. I mean, that's just, and then you can add more. I mean, that that was the first two lines, right? And then, right. But then, but for me, that was a progression of adding some inner life and adding some conflict. Drama is conflict. And so within the character description, there has to be, or has to be, there's no such has to be, of course, but I believe that if you write some conflict in there as well, it gives an actor something to chew on. Because even an imposing bouncer who's intense without fear is kind of one-dimensional. 
but it's better than a, a Russian bouncer with a shaved head. And if right, you notice right. that that in the, those two examples I gave you with John and Mary, really never talked about um, color or ethnicity or culture. I mean, and if you want to do that, and it's important, then you then you write that down, okay? Because if, if because right. you, then you sort of separate it out. So you just take these as examples, but be specific as you want to attract the right actor, and then general as you want to attract better actors to come in. If you have more open, if it's more open-ended, you know, does it have to be the, you know, the is it the fat guy or the skinny guy or whatever it is? If if you have these ideas in your mind because that's what the show is about, then that's what you need to say. But but again, those are the outer characteristics. How do you write down the inner characteristics, which is really what actors and writers and directors work with, which is the subtext. So ultimately, I think what I'm saying here is what's the subtext? Is there conflict within? There's always conflict within the character. And if you can add some of that in your character bio, and again, well, like I'm saying, whether it's true for the film or not, I think is almost irrelevant um, because as a director, you're going to see them walk in, give them an adjustment, and if they can go all these different directions, wow, I'll get them to the callback, and then we'll start working on the character. So that's what I believe. Wow, no, that's very good. Now, we only have a few moments left, but we maybe can make up a couple minutes for the technical difficulties. Um, would you give me a sample of an ineffective and an effective uh, character description, say, of the same type? You know, I mean, because we've got you know some really great examples of... Um, uh, John and Mary. How about uh, one of just John? Okay. Well, I've uh, contrast. Can you? Can okay. We well, again, you got the paper. I got too. But it, this is a friend of mine who wrote these out, and he's a writer, and so I've actually used them. I mean, they're very long, but it's like they're just two examples. So um, this is kudo to Brian. He's a he's a he's a writer in Vancouver here, but he wrote these out, and, and I. So he said these are. This is an ineffective one. He said, John is a skinny 20-year-old Caucasian. He has short hair and a beard. He was born in Berlin and can speak fluent German. When he was 15, his parents divorced and his mother brought him to North America. He felt ostracized in high school and spent most of his time reading the works of uh, Brecht. He now works as a clown. Uh, Well, although that is effective in a certain way, because it does give uh, some idea and some backstory, um, but then he turned it around and said, John is a brooding German male in his late 20s. Even though he makes a living by entertaining children at clown, as a clown at parties, he emits an intense aura of defeat and depression. He's obviously worn down by too many regrets and seems to be wavering on the verge of a mental breakdown. Um, that's a writer's words, not mine, but, I can, but you can see the difference even when I explained it. And there's a million combinations of doing this. But it, and, and again, I think the, the two examples of John and Mary and then just John is, I think, just to wrap it up, is basically what are you looking for for an actor? Like what's the role or a character? What's the role? What's, what's the physical traits? That's what you always start with. It's what the writer gives you. It's in the scene descriptions. It's in the character descriptions. And then what do you, as a director, are you changing that? Do you want that? So get those, character, those physical ones are important. And then add some subtext. Add something else that will show us a part of the inner life of the character to get some conflict. And what that enables you to do is have the, any actor come in and have something to chew on. They can, they can work with that. And with an opportunity 
to basically attract more experienced actors to come to your role. And I think that's really good. that's ultimately what this writing good character descriptions is all about. That is fantastic. I want to comment on this, and I have a question from the chat room I, I would like you to answer before we go, if you can. And that sure. is, um, g- given what we've discussed in prior episodes um, about casting and about um, directing actors and things like that, I like both of these, ineffective and effective, you know, and John is a brooding German. Um, I will say that it, it, it portrays a strong – it makes uh, it allows for a, a stronger picture in my mind reading this, the – you know, he's a brooding male, and he's he's obviously worn down by too many. And yet, knowing what you said about directing and not playing the meaning of the word and not being told, you know, you're depressed, but but getting some kind of action pieces, um, there is there would be work between the director and the actor on bringing um, John, his character and his conflicts, to life as opposed mm-hmm. to just playing depressed throughout, you know, ninety yeah. pages. So yes, um, but. I, I say that, and, and you can follow up on that, but but people can go back and listen, too, to all of your uh, stellar advice on directing actors and, and, and glean from that as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, was that okay. a question? Well, then, <laughs> was there a question in there? No, no, no here is the question. Okay. <laughs> no, that, that was my comment, and here's the question. Okay, that I'd like to ask Peter. This is John. He says, I'd like to ask Peter how much weight – does he place on a screenwriter's character bio when faced with a casting, or does he enter casting with an open mind looking for a gem of an actor? That was a very good question. Um, it starts off with uh, – uh, oh, let me just back up for a second. Before you get to casting, you will have already set, sat with the writer and the producer and have your concept meetings and go through the whole concept of the story and really discuss at that point what the character should be. And then as you go through the story, you may come up with different versions of it, but the writer has written that for a reason, and that fits the story. Again, certain roles will be um, a given, usually your, your, your hero and your antihero and all of that. But really, when you get down to a lot of the other characters, it's open to interpretation. And I think the weight, to answer the question, is really based on that alone. And, you know, and are you the writer slash director? Is there another writer? Where's the power? Is it a TV series where the producers have the control and you don't or whatever it is? So judge it on the value of the actor walking in the door. Take your blinders off. And what I mean by that is, do you believe them? And if you believe them in that role, then at least you're not casting them right away for the audition. Bring them to a callback. And in the callback, when you do the bring, put actors together, that's when you can start making decisions. Um, just as one last beat, the auditions for me are really where I eliminate all the people that don't fit the role I'm looking for. Yet sometimes I'm not sure what I'm looking for. So if there's 10 people come in the room and read for a role, I try to eliminate five or six of them so that I'm down to four or five. And then as I do each callback, I start eliminating double again. So by the time I'm down to my last callback, and, and three is always a magic number for me, so the audition and two callbacks, is by the time I get to that second callback, I'm down to like two people per role. And then I mix and match, and then that's really where you're, you're starting to find out who's right for the role. And that's the process. I hope I answered that question. All right. Well, with that, we're going to have to close out, but let me remind people again that you've got upcoming programs. I'm going to let you give out the Raindance uh, 
uh, site and stuff, and then I'll come back and give some other information. Yeah. <clears throat> yes, it's raindance.org. That's in Toronto. That'll be March 8th and 9th as a directing actor workshop. Awesome. And uh, Peter's website is uh, actioncutprint.com. Be sure to go there. Be sure to uh, subscribe to the e-zine and uh, check out the, uh, the blog that you have. There's film directing tips. The e-zine is the director's chair. And look at all the products that he has available. They are awesome, as are his workshops. And I appreciate you being here. We're going to have Peter back and continue the director's series. I think next time we start talking about working with the actors on set, or, or we'll catch up somewhere in there. But uh, Peter, I appreciate this very kindly. Thank you so much for all of the contributions you made over the past and, and as well today. And uh, I'm, I'm going to I want to come and make that uh, webinar if I can on the first if, if it's uh, at a time. Yeah, it's a, just a free webinar. You can sit at home in your pajamas and uh, and listen in. That's even more appealing. So <laughs> if, if I'm home and I'm in my pajamas, I'm definitely going to be there. There you go. And that's on the 1st of March. So um, in the meantime, thank you kindly. Have a great day, a great weekend, and, uh, and we'll be talking with you soon again, and we'll let the listeners know uh, when that is going to be. Right. Thank you, Rex. You take care. Thank you, Peter. All right. Okay. Mr. Peter Marshall at actioncutprint.com. Thank you. He's a fascinating guest, and I want to thank you, the readers and listeners of Movie Beat. We've got many more exciting guests coming up in the near future, so be sure to stay tuned. And please keep sharing this website and these interviews with all your friends and colleagues. Remember that all of these interviews are archived at rexsykes.com. That's R-E-X-S-I-K-E-S.com. That's Rex Sykes Movie Beat, the interviews blog. Go through, scroll through those archives. Go back to the very first one. It was something like February 2009, and begin listening. You don't have to listen in any order. But go back. I mean, there's gems. There's a, a, a wealth of material there as the show has progressed. You can become a friend of Rex Sykes Movie Beat on Facebook by going to Rex Sykes Movie Beat Friends. There's a film networking group that I have as well, and Rex Sykes Movie Beat the group. Lots of different offerings on Facebook that I have. So uh, be sure to check that out. And uh, my next guest that I have listed is uh, Paul Kaplan-Bennett. He is a, a talent manager for writers and actors and others, and uh, he's going to be talking about how you can uh, uh, work your career and, and be more effective in uh, pursuing your career, among other things. I'm looking forward to him. That's March 6th, same time, same place, Rex Sykes Movie Beat, on Blog Talk Radio, Rex Sykes uh, Movie Beat, and uh, on iTunes. So uh, be sure and subscribe to the podcast and, and uh, enjoy those wherever you go. Download your favorite electronic device and have it at your fingertips wherever you might be. All right, everybody, have a fabulous day. Make your movies, complete your projects. Until we meet the next time, that is a wrap. <laughs>